morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Today is Monday, September 13th, and you are listening to Rocket City Lift. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Rocket City Lift. I'm Tara Bolger. And I'm Brett Goodman. We come to you three times a week and try to bring a bit of a spiritual lift to your day. We have begun a new sermon series called The Gift of God's Provision, and we're going to look at a passage from Genesis. But before that, let us begin with prayer. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for all the ways that you provide for us ways that we see, ways that we do not see. May we respond to all of these things with gratitude. May we be on the lookout so that we may provide the same provisions to others in our life. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. We're going to read the second creation story in the book of Genesis. It begins in the second chapter. We'll look at verses 4 through 9, and then we'll jump ahead to verses 18 through 24. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth, and no herb of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was no one to till the ground. But a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. It was then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the side and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. So out of the ground the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all cattle and to the birds of the air and to every animal of the field. But for the man there was not found a helper as his partner. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman, for out of man this one was taken. Therefore a man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife, and they become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. So Tara, as you said, we are starting this new sermon series about God's provision. How do you see God's provision in this second creation text from Genesis? So I think the first thing to think of is, you know, to remember what provision means. And it's the idea that we are given, we are provided for, especially when it comes to things that are necessary 
to our life. And so if that's the case, there's very little in this that isn't provision, right? Yeah, yeah. So we see that we are given the world. We are given an ecology that allows us to plant and grow food. We are given water. Um, we are also given birds to be uh, birds, animals, birds of the air, <laughs> and all of birds the animals. Yes, they are, but it sounded weird. God only gave us birds, um, but gave us the birds of the air and every animal so that they might help you know, with this ecology. And then we are also given companionship, which um, can you imagine the world if that companion weren't created? When you read this passage, what do you think about provision? What comes up for you? Well, to piggyback kind of on how you spoke about community there at the end, I can't help but see uh, the communion that's happening within this passage between the text and the language and what's actually happening. So you have, within the text, you have the same verb that's used for God forming, that God formed man, that God formed woman, that God formed the birds of the air and the cattle and, and the mammals and the beasts of, of the field. And so you have this way that God has intimately formed every single uh, animal and, and, and person. And then you also have the interplay of every time it says the man, the word for that is Adam. And then every time it says ground, the word the Hebrew word for that is Adamah. So you see this word play of there's even kind of this playfulness that man is formed from ground and they're the same. And again, there's just this harmony that we see within the text that God has created creation in a really beautiful state. And I think it's summed up so perfectly at the very end where it says, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. That in creation and God's purpose and intention, that creation and humanity can be vulnerable with one another uh, without it being something bad. Yes, that God's creation in and of itself, there is no shame in that. And I think it's also interesting, you know, I talked about how we are given this companion, but actually we're also told that, you know, it's no longer man and woman. They become one flesh, yeah. right? We are given more life into our life. It's, it's much deeper, I think, than just a companion in this really beautiful way. And, and I don't think it's even, I think, you know, it gives you that tag at the end, which was probably an, an added a sign to, to talk about the social world in which this was written in. But I think it's, this is really, it, we know we, we use it in weddings a lot, but I think the whole of what this is talking about is not just, you know, uh, partners who marry one another, but just people together. You know, it starts off with man, and that can be translated as humanity, should not be alone. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that people should not be alone. That God has created us to live together. And what a gracious gift that is that is probably the thing I take for granted most often. Uh, you know, you, we make jokes about being introverted and, you know, hate being around people <laughs> and it's better <laughs> to be alone and all those things. But the reality is at our core, we were truly made. And that to, to be with one another. And that was laid bare, I think, so clear during like quarantine. Oh my gosh. It's yes. how, how, how much we were created to live together. Mm -hmm. And how much we are created uh, to worship together, to gather yeah. together, right? Yeah. It's not even just like a mental connection. There's something about the bodily joining that I think is important. Um, and in this passage too, 
um, the idea that there is no shame, I think is, is so beautiful because it means there's this kind of wholeness and this idea of the Eden time as um, this kind of state of perfection. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I think about perfection, it's if I can quit doing X, Y, or Z, if this or that'll happen. But the Eden story is about caring. Hmm. It's about caring, right? So the perfection is really when we are able to completely care for one another, when we are able to completely care for God's creation instead of all my messed up ideas of what that might look like. Right. Because, because when, I mean, when I feel shame is when I feel inadequate in Mm -hmm. some way, I I feel uh, not whole. Uh, And, and God gives us uh, the exact, what is, what does wholeness look like? Wholeness looks like tending and caring for creation, for people, uh, for the world, for the land itself, that, that there is this idea that that working leads us to a wholeness when it's faced outward towards creation and not inward toward ourselves. Yeah, I've heard, I've always thought about, um, I've heard the distinction between shame and guilt. Shame says, I am bad. Guilt says, I did something bad, hmm. right? And so we, as God's creation, I don't know that shame should ever be a part of who we are mm-hmm. because we are God's good creation. I do think guilt is some is a lot of times an indicator of my behavior that may have crossed a line. Hmm. But I do think it's clear here that this is God's good creation and there is no shame. With that, we will end with a quote from Aristotle. Learning is an ornament in prosperity a refuge in adversity, and a provision in old age. Thank you all for being with us. We'll be back on Wednesday to speak about a passage in the Gospel of John. But now may each of you go out to love and to serve, to be well, to care for yourselves and others, knowing that the grace and love of God is ever upon you. Amen.